right, Matt. Put your earphones on. Get up on the mic. Yellow. Um, yellow. We got all yeah, that on the record, by the way. So that's oh, perfect. <laughs> that's all. That's all going live. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. Welcome, boys. Thanks to the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center for hosting today's episode of The Grit, February 26th, 2019. Also, thanks to Spy Optic for setting Chaz's latest pair of shades. I love my new pair of sunglasses. Yeah, rose-colored lenses. If I would have had these on in Florida, I wouldn't have gotten that. You do not punched. see the world through those. <laughs> uh, we have a special guest today. It's Stab's GQ Man of the Year. Although you've gotten a little shaggy since then, Matt Violas. It's winter. Yeah. That's true. That's Australian for winter. Got it. Winter. Got it. Got it. Got it. There's a there's no a decided lack of Montclair in your wardrobe today. I almost wore my Montclair jacket just to make you feel at home. I used to go to Montclair Mall. Oh man, <laughs> I liked Claremont Mall better. Um, Matt, did you know that Chaz is a cancer survivor? No, I did not. Here's an email from Canada with the subject header, you guys have saved my life, may have saved my life. I'm writing to you from a small fishing town on the west coast of Vancouver Island up here in Canada. It says, when I say in my heading that you guys may have saved my life, I'm referring to skin cancer awareness campaign mm. that you and Chaz ran. A long time ago, I noticed a small cut on the top of my left ear that would very occasionally bleed and didn't seem to want to heal. It was over a year while cleaning salmon while I was listening to your podcast that I noticed that the cut was back. You guys were continually reminding listeners to get our skin checked and be aware of bumps and moles. Being in isolation, doctors visiting on a rotation schedule, guy came in from New Zealand. He rolled me over in his chair and he put a little flashlight and he said that I had the beginnings of skin cancer. He said that he'd seen many similar cases back home and that I've ignored it much longer that I would be in real trouble. So he did some tests. I'm still undergoing treatment, but they reckon I'm out of the woods. So I wanted to say thank you from a small town where technology and the internet generally gets the blame for everything. I give you guys a thumbs up and your podcast may have just saved my bacon. Saving it's lives. Like, it's like Chaz usually gets the blame for everything and it's the first positive thing he's ever gotten. I saved a life. I saved multiple, a Canadian life. Multiple. Many, many Canadian lives. All of this was just to tee up. Are they worth anything? I mean, they're... the. I just read today, I did my Beach Grit story today, is the huge hidden Canadian surfing pool that there's... The 51st state? Yeah, the 51st state apparently has a lot of great surfers. But I was trying to figure out... And how come it's the same surfer in every photo of the last 10 years? Well, here's the thing. Canada. Who's the thing? Who, who on... His name Peter DeVries. Yeah, yeah, but who on tour is secretly Canadian? That's the question. There's got to be some secret Canadians on tour. Eh? Just somebody that just can claim the bloodline? Jesse Mendez. I'm really? I'm saying Jesse, look at him. Oh. Hey, he's an eloquent kid. I, yeah. I worked with him for three or four years, and we had good success. He won some big events on the boards. And, Completely. And he's a cool kid. Didn't he qualify on your boards? Um, I would... No, he did not. Okay. No, he qualified after he switched to CI because okay. I wasn't good enough to make get him on tour. Right, right. How many... How many let's go real quick. How many surfers do you have on tour right now? Mm, I don't know if I have them, but... Or how many are riding... Primarily mayhem shapes on tour. Probably about five men and five women. Okay. Yeah. Who's the Who's the most? Do you know? The uh, most what? Who has the most boards on tour? That's like a nerdy thing. You have to sit down and. I reckon five. Write yeah, it out. I, I would imagine you're. It's probably you. Oh, those guys are kind of more into it and probably do a more thorough. Or, you know, those guys that are more into it than I am, like you know, DHD and JS and those guys are just. 
they are really good at that. Like and tooling and boards for specific tour just stops? Like, that's just like, you think of their brand, that's what you think of. My brand's a little more like multifaceted, not so pointed in one direction. And and I've always like looked up to those guys, even though they're like in my age group. CI has obviously got such a long uh, legacy that they just, they continue to excel in that in that world as well, you know. And then there's the other guys that have been popping up in the last five years, like you know, Pizel and Sharp Eye, and um, a few other guys who want to put themselves through that abuse, which is it's, it's a hard little game. Yeah, making boards for those athletes. I feel like you have more female world titles than any other board builder. Yeah, maybe maybe Channel Islands racked up quite a few, and you know Darren Hanley's got seven or eight with just one chick. That's a good point. Yeah. But um, yeah, let me ask you this: Maurice Cole posited Papa, Papa posited Bear. this thought. Um, he said, "When you look at all the world champs, not only have they worked with one shaper for like an extended period of time, you know, it's not like they're getting boards from a bunch of different people. It's Kelly with Al forever. Mm-hmm. It's Steph with DH forever. It's John John with Pizel." Um, he said beyond that, what you really see is that there's a shaper who mainly just works with one surfer. Like John Pizel's focus is really just John John. Mm-hmm. Kabianka's focus, just Gabriel. And that's the difference between the world champ versus number two and everybody else. What are your yeah. thoughts on that as a guy who make, makes boards for 10 people on tour? Yeah, go and say that about Darren Handley. He's got Mick and Steph, right? No, there's a lot. I mean, no, it's way more than that. Is Darren shaping the boards for all those people beyond those two? Or does he got a team? I think Darren's more into it than anyone. Really? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, hmm. Think about it. It's pretty, yeah. It's an interesting thought. When Kelly Slater was winning titles on Channel Islands, there was six, eight guys riding Channel Islands on that tour. But again, who's Al shaping boards for at that time? Was he just focused on Kelly? I seriously doubt it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah. I seriously doubt Do you, that. What's your thought as the shaper who is building boards for multiple people? Is there any... Um, for sure. For sure what? You learn more by working with more people. You're oh, only really? getting one angle of feedback. Yeah. By working with other surfers and other techniques, you're getting, you're getting more varied feedback and you're seeing more angles and things like... Working with Kolohe and Taj Burrow side by side during a really strong run, say from three or four years, you know, before up until Taj's retirement, you know, you almost had you had two surfers with pretty different body builds, different builds, you know, physically and different techniques that kind of met and, and overlapped in some areas. But we were developing different boards for each of them, and you definitely creates a wider. Uh, a wider array of surfboard designs that will work for more people. Mm. Are you are you thinking about how a board you're shaping for a pro will work in the public, or are you only ever thinking about making that board for that pro go as good as it can? Yeah, I mean, when you're working with a competitive surfer, you're working on how to get the board to work for them, make them 100% happy. That's the number one thing. It doesn't matter if that board translates to the public because there's so many boards that I do. I develop with my friends and other people, myself, that will work just fine for the public. It's like when you're when you're an Indy 500 or NASCAR or whatever race, you're not worried about that car is going to translate to the public. That is not 
No. So <clears throat> are your writers, uh, how do you view them? Like Kolohe, Taj, when he was on, or whoever, whoever, whichever guys or girls you have, uh, are they billboards for your your boards or what? Are they test pilots? Are they, how do you think of them? They're test pilots, they're partners, they're billboards, they're evangelists, they're, you know, when they cry, I cry, when they cheer, <laughs> I cheer, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's a really good way to get rid of nationalism. You know, like I'm, I work with Americans or I work with Californians. You know, <laughs> I work with Hawaiians. I work with Brazilians, Australians, Europeans. And it's, um, it's a, you know, and they're not all friends. It's not like a baseball team where they're all, but, but the, uh, for me, they're a team, you know, it's my team. It's the people that I'm passionate for. And an interesting thing is I, every person that rides my board on that tour at least qualified on my boards and made the tour while working with me. And most of them grew up riding my boards. Um, so we rarely have had like a hired gun or a free agent athletes. It's almost everything's kind of organic. So we haven't gone around looking like, oh, this guy's getting famous. Right. So this guy just qualified. Let's get him on our boards. But people come over to you all the time, right? Not I all mean, the time. Some, I mean, Taj to me is a that was, But that was example. a big, you know, that was a big thing. And Taj was known for that. Taj was known for jumping around every three. He He's said publicly, oh, Shapers, you know, you have a three to five year, like, happy time with them. Then you got to move on. So he's known for that. It was you know, See, the marketing and the media made a big bust out of it but if you look at his career he did that often whether it was maurice and weber and firewire and whoever else i think that was maurice's point is that you don't get to the point of like really dialing things in until you're beyond that period it might take a decade mm -hmm. and that could be argued why taj was a perennial fifth place you know and not a world champ i disagree and you know i love papa bear but he's gonna say things that slant towards wherever he's <laughs> thinking at that week um yeah, and he's obviously done a lot of great work, and I love him. I've worked hard with him, and we've done projects together. And I don't, but I don't. I don't think doesn't take that long to dial it in. No, and Taj Burrow, if he was going to win world titles, it was it's up to him. It's not, you know, he could have won world titles on Firewire. He could have won a world title on a Weber. He could have won a world title on a Mayhem. What's it going to take for Kaloe to win a world title? Chloe's a guy who you've been working with since his childhood, and he also hit the scene once he qualified mm -hmm. with all of the potential and pressure and hopes in the world. Yeah. Yet he hasn't been able to seem to. Yeah, I think he just came up in an incredibly competitive time. You know, that's like the thing that happened in Brazil. Just It just came up right when he came up, and he's like banging his head with these guys. You know, it's just dumb. It's an incredibly difficult sport. It's incredibly pinnacled and narrow. You know, it's like there's not 800, there's 800 Major League Baseball players or something. There's 30 World Tour surfers. Um, it's refined and gone through such a fine, sifted, you know, mesh that only the cream of the crop is up there. And I just think it's incredibly competitive. So what's it going to take? He just has to get better. Mm -hmm. And he knows it, and that's what he'll tell you. He has to get better mentally, 
and physically and more consistent. I guess, yeah, better in what way is my question because I feel like his surfing has always been at the top of the heap. Yeah. Especially, I, I feel like especially his contest surfing. I mean, I think Kolohe can, between the power rail game and, you know, being able to kick it in the air, it's a phenomenal contest surfer. Yeah. Well rounded. Well, very well rounded. You know, his backhand's right there and his air game's right there. And he doesn't get the credit for it, but his power is right there. Um, He's bulked up in the last three to five years, I'd say. Yeah. Where the power was. Probably less than five, but yeah. 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 He trains and he works hard and. He's a consummate professional. What do you think it does to him mentally to have Griffin, like his younger kind of guy that he's mentoring, protege, protege show up on tour and ultimately kind of dominate? I mean, Griffin. Well, he didn't dominate. Let's keep, let's keep, let's stay in reality here. Griffin, (laughs) the media, but you guys swing back and forth so fast. I mean, Griffin finished 19th in the world. He barely requalified. He didn't dominate. The year before, he dominated and won the QS, and he won the Triple Crown, and his surfing is beautiful, and it's easy on the eyes, and there's a laconic hypnosis about the way he approaches a wave, and it's awesome. And he's a great kid. So if you're Koloe and Dino, and you pretty much raise this kid, and you're a smart competitor, you know, Koloe uses it as inspiration, and he learns from it. And But he's already been there. When Koloe was coming up, when he was 15, 16, 17, he was you know, the second coming and everybody has said all these incredible things that they're saying about Griffin. Now they said it about him. So he's been through the movie. He's been through this. And so Griffin goes to him and it's like, Oh my God, how I deal with all this. Everybody, I'm the same, but everyone treats me different now. So they're, you know, they're feeding off each other and they're training together and surfing together. And, and, um, I mean, it's the best one, two punch in the history of California. Yeah, it is. I'll tell you that right now. Well, do you see, um, Griffin kind of hitting a slump like once you get that big influx of all that media pressure and attention and all yeah. that yeah what do you think's next for will he be able to kind of push through without a slump or oh, I don't know <laughs> give me a psychological assessment come on I think he's boards. more focused I think this first year you know it was almost a surprise he didn't even he wasn't even planning on being on tour last year it really just, you know, it didn't really it happened in Hawaii, you know? Right, right, right. Um, you know, so that first year is just like, sometimes I call him he's like Alfred E. Newman, you know, or just like, what, me worry? He almost looks like him a little bit, you know? Yeah. And he just kind of went through the went through it and just the learning step by step. You know, he didn't expect to get a triple barrel perfect 10 in his first event. And, and I think he just kind of took it in stride. And I think, <clears throat> I think you guys, meaning the media in general, I think you guys like you hyper exaggerate everything. And that's the way you sell. It's unfair. That's the way you sell media. You know, you blow it up and forget about it. I'm offended. Yeah, you should be. I'm personally. So I just think everybody takes these highs and lows, which are more like a little heartbeat, you know, like a beat, like an EKG. Mm -hmm. And you guys turn them into like heart attack and death spikes. Like, you know, it's not these kids. I mean, they got, 15 20 year careers you know just think how bored you'd be look at julian wilson he's 30 he's he's 30 now but here okay when is a a brazilian is going to win the world title for the next i'm going to say decade i'm going to say 10 years i'll disagree to that really yeah who's gonna who's gonna who's going to unseat a brazilian yeah and you i mean john john's not coming back 
I thoroughly don't think he's coming back. I think, see, and that's another media thing. I think you guys are overblowing out the fact that he's not, doesn't care anymore and he's not trying. He doesn't care. You think he cares? I think he cares. Like, you think he cares enough to get on tour and compete for a title? Yes. Against Gabriel Medina. I think, and if it's not this year, it's for sure sometime between now and the next five years. The guy's, what, 26? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I don't doubt that he he could find his flame again, but also you got to think Philippe and Medina and now... The Italian Ferrari, these guys aren't going away. Yeah, but that's the Italian Ferrari. That's a new, fun thing. And, you know, these guys, Medina's a Terminator, and Toledo's incredibly fast and talented. And Italo has the make rate and the excitement factor. But once again, as you homogenize and become part of what the expected skill level is, this all this hype and noise, it starts to calm down and you become one of the horses in the race. And, you know, like Jadson, who I woke up at three in the morning and watched the quarterfinals to the final of the that, that QS in Brazil and my kid, Yago got second and watched Jadson win and his surfing was great. His backside surfing in the final was nuts. And Idolo and Medina and, Je- and were in that, they lost in the semis and the quarters. And you see that even in a semi and a quarter of a, QS in their home, those guys can lose. And they they become humified. They're humans, you know. Humanified. And I just yeah. <laughs> and I just think that it's not just John John. There's there's other people that can go out there and get a title. Julian Wilson came really close. But I think over I think over what is it? Is it ten? It's ten events now, yeah? Yeah. Over ten, I think it's gonna be really, really, really hard for the next decade to unseat one of those guys. You uh, it's you probably think about it more than I do. Then <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't think so. I think it, you got your boys there. I think it's a running problem. In straight into the Brazilian storm. It's not a bad place to be. It makes it, you better. That's true. Competition makes you better. I was going to say that with Kaloe. It's good that he came up at the time that he came up because honestly, it'll make him be the best surfer he could possibly be. Yeah. You know. Um, by the way, I'm going to segue slightly. We'll come back to this, but mm-hmm. when are we going to see another Lost film? We make them all the time. Well, you make internet clips. Yeah. I want to see like the 45 minute lost film that I, or actually hour and 30 minute lost film that mm-hmm. I grew up on. Yeah. 45 minutes before the credits. Yeah. 45 after. Sure. When are we going to see one? There's are no, they done? I mean, we pushed it pretty hard, pretty far. We did ward stories um, in the last, I don't know, what was that? Five years ago. That was like a two hour movie. We put it on DVDs and everything. I mean, we, 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 we pushed that format beyond its expiration date. Um, we did the, the Mason, you know, we did the, we did uh, Here Today, Gone to Cabo. Oh, yeah. I liked it. Um, that was a 10 part online series. You know, that if you put it all together, it was a proper movie. We packaged it up on a DVD afterwards. That was mm-hmm. only a few years ago. We did the License to Chill thing with Mason, which we presented that same way, packaged it up at the end. But um, there's really not a lot of motivation to do a long format surf movie at this point. Really? It's not even not even for like a take it tour festival kind of thing? Like get the people out? Yeah. I just don't see it benefiting my surfboard business enough to, I don't know. When we do, it's just, those those were probably the last ones we did. You know, the Ward Stories, License to Chill, Here Today, Gone to Cabo. And their marketing exercises and then no, I mean, we did it as a business, 
you know, for 15 years, we made those DVDs, you know, VHSs and DVDs. There was, you know, you could we actually made money on them. Yeah. So there was motivation. And we also were trying to grow. There was, there was room to grow our business around them. We started making surf movies when we were, you know, born in a clothing business out of a garage and a surfboard business out of the back of a surf shop. Um, but where we are now, there's... Not, I wouldn't even know if I want to grow my surfboard business. You know, really? We're just trying to, we're just maintaining and making good product and just having good sell through and good, good design. And <clears throat> I don't see the benefits of spending, you know, thousands of hours and a hundred thousand dollars to make a movie that where there's no real clear platform to present it. Even those um, episodic series that you did in recent years. Yeah. I feel like it was still your staff like your filmer that was going out there, you guys doing the editing in-house? Yeah, most of that stuff was done with the Alani brothers, Joe Alani and Noah, and they they grew up with us, working with us. And, and, you know, and and Mike Riola, my partner, the Wizard Vaz in the background, and me pushing my agenda with the music and the attitude. And, you know, the the team was, it was definitely still the same team. But it feels like that team isn't, I mean, even if they're not intact, you could certainly replace people, but... Mm -hmm. It feels like Mason's producing Mason's content now, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe pushing it through your channels. Yeah. But it seems like everything's done out of house. Is that true or? No, I mean, we just did, we did a couple recent things. We did a fish thing, a 10 minute fish documentary that um, we did in house last, we did it, I don't know, less than a year ago. And we, you know, we did it last summer. It was really cool. You know, um, CR Stesic narrated it for us. We did that in my surfboard warehouse, that movie, Start to Finish. Um, we just did Lost in Waco, you know, with Mason, Yago, and Emrod. And and Gian Bernini is a Brazilian who's uh, moved here. He's a Carioca from Rio. He's been here working for me for six, seven years. And he's really, he's doing all the fun little, cart, all the fun little ads for launching our models. Like we did the, the parody with the, with the um, 21... The 2012 Space Oddity oh, yeah. with the gorillas. Yeah, that's great. And we did the, um, the funny stuff with the um, the throwback clips where we take we put our boards into movies from the 80s and 90s. We did the ripoff of the Psycho episode where, yep. where Anthony Perkins comes in with a knife and it's, a, it's our psycho killer board stabbing Janet Lee or whatever her name was. Vivian Lee, I don't know. Yeah. Lee. One of those Lees. Yeah. Um, so we do that and it's got a lot of fun. And I think our, our Instagram marketing and our short story our short ter- story, short format marketing is still that lost voice. It's still the humor. We did one this week for the Rad Ripper, and we cook and edit a scene out of uh, out of um, Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, okay. You know, and it's funny. It's like not like you know, this is you know, this is Kelly Slater. This is the board he rips on. Go buy one. You know, it's more mm-hmm. like have fun with it. It's, yeah. So we, I think we still ooze that and bleed that and we still do it but the, to sit down and it's so hard i mean right now i'm work griffin's trying to make a, a kind of a movie to release in a year or two you know 18 months timeline and they're like i'm like why didn't you guys why didn't you go go down to the gold coast and film during that storm and he's like why it's a blowout he goes we need exclusive footage the only way you can compile anything anymore is if it's totally exclusive yeah so it's really hard to get that as well Without a big budget. You know, um, it seems like the DNA has shifted a little bit too, though. It's not just the plat or the, uh, the length and the, the medium that's changed. I feel like in those old videos, there were so many like B 
B cast characters, mm-hmm. all the supporting cast. And it really was dysfunctional as the tagline said, mm-hmm. and all these characters that kind of spun out. And I feel like now it's kind of become more mainstream. Yeah. It is a little bit cleaner. It is a little bit neater. It seems a little bit more, not manicured. Professional. More professional for sure, but also like we know who your team team writers are and we're we not introduced. Yeah. Not introduced to all these random dudes from their local spot yeah. that are also rippers writing. It's hard. It's hard to continue know? living that and producing that. I mean, you're talking about guys in their 20s, Mike and I, making making surf movies and we're living that that dysfunctional life and right. it's like now you're pushing 50 it's like if you're not living that lifestyle and you're not you know procuring it then if you go out and try and do that it might come across as a little fake it's like if we, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. just showing what was in front of us that was right. our daily life and yeah i, I mean I'm, i was still in the water all the time still down at lowers but you don't even you don't see crazy gilligan or vince getting in and out of the water down there even right yeah. now I mean, there's a few characters, but it's not like that. Ricky yeah. Schaefer's still down there. He's a big... <laughs> <laughs> when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Are you bullish or bearish on uh, both worldwide surf culture and also the board business itself? I think I'm bullish with design of my surfboard business, for sure. I'm always pushing design, not saying I'm always trying to make the greatest board to win the world title on which i am but i mean i'm not i'm bare i'm bullish on design is like i'm always trying to push and present and challenge people's ideas of what they'll buy on a board from a surf shop you've i've seen you've been doing more asymmetricals lately huh yeah we've been working on this one design of asymmetrical personally i've been working on it for like a long time because we finally feel like that because of the work that other guys, fringe guys, have been doing, it's like a good enough time now for us to present present it. Is it a is it a performance model or is it a like a cruisy every every man? It's a cruisy every man that performs. Do you think have there have there been asymmetricals in a competition ridden? Yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah, Josh Kerr rode a self shaped one at Chopu like oh, yeah, five yeah, or yeah. six years I ago or that. something, um, but it wasn't super radical 
asymmetrical. I call it had, a, like subtleties. I call it a geniolation. Ours is a geniolation. It's just like, ah. Yeah. Mason. The Mason. I think it's clever. I liked it. Did but you, did you, have you served one? No, no, no. The name I thought oh, was yeah, clever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when is it out? The Mason. It's out now. Okay. Yeah. Is it like, I haven't seen one. Is it the, I mean, I've seen the ads, but I didn't study the board. Mm -hmm. Is it like full on asymmetrical tail? Just an asymmetrical tail. Okay. Yeah. And two fins on one side and no, one on the other. That garbage. It's just straight, normal thruster setup. Yeah. We're trying quad? to like introduce the asymm concept to people who are like, who like, or who would look at a, an extreme shock and awe asymm and go, well, that's peculiar. I have no, no desire to do that. But we're going to say, here, let's present this in a little more mainstream manner is it because it opens up an, a new category for you or because you believe that well, asymmetrical i've been writing this to... board in 90 percent of its current format for eight years i have like the marketing or my website shows one that i made in 2013 it shows one that i made in 2016 and it's a it's a slow methodical process to where we are with this one design pretty focused do you think surfboard shape like the performance surf standard you know whatever thruster shape will ever radically change or do you think this is it for the rest of our lives like more or less uh, you know with throw on some weird asymmetrical tail or whatever but overall i made an asymmetrical board for carissa to ride in the wave pool this morning really well i made it how, this morning how cold is it up there right now oh it's like that's like it's like it's, it's 49 it's 48 degree freezing in the water yeah. that's not fun yeah. Just, yeah what about wave pools do you shape boards differently for the pool you've you've dabbling, it, yeah yeah we're dabbling in making them different what yeah, but each pool kind of requires a different board Kelly, kelly's pool what's the what does it need what does it demand what does it kelly's want pools it's an interesting dilemma because it's 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 it seems to have most of its transition at the in the trough at the base of the wave like really kinky and tight and then the as the wall goes up it gets flatter and it doesn't actually the lip doesn't actually throw out at you at the top of the wave <clears throat> so it's hard for them to get back in it's hard to really cut loose and do the blow tails and the modern lip maneuvers that this top surfers do but then when you get to the bottom the board has to have enough curve or be short enough, one or the other combination or a balance between the two to fit in that tight transition. Are people going to end up riding like glorified skimboards with fins? I hope not. I mean, but that's what the that's what those waves kind of beg for, right? Not that wave. Kelly's? No. I mean, you can go way. You don't need need any foam to catch the wave, right? Why not just ride some paper thin thing? Short. Because if you're going to do airs and stuff, and you land on a paper thin thing, it's going to be pretty catchy. And not very forgiving and you know i just think that as long as the, the wsl continues to judge surfing as a as a blend of power and creativity you, know, you can't really do power surfing on short little football shaped outlines and you know you got to still you have to appreciate the history of surfing and and the and the continuum of power surfing and rail surfing and and understand the skills involved in that. You can't just start. It's like wake wake surfing. You know the wor the world champion wake surfers and these kids from Texas and whatnot. I they're, I forget the husband and wife or, um. You know wake surfing. They judge wake surfing on kick flips and varials and shove its and flicky flicky and, but then you go and put like Josh Kerr on a surfboard behind a wakeboard behind a wake. You know with ropeless. And like, well, that's the best I've ever seen anyone wake surf, you know, like a real surfer. That's yeah. what I appreciate. And as long as surfing culture stays true to that, I don't think that 
you know, it's almost like stab high. It kind of let me down. I, I was kind of bummed that, that they gave the win to, to pop shove it's and burials where they were landing backwards and just going out into the flats. And it was just, eh. they should, they should have. I mean, I thought for that one, we talked about it. They should have just gone for as big. I mean, the biggest air should have won. Yeah. The kid from Ventura did that huge area. Yep. looked great. And, um, you know, my bias is I thought Eli Hanneman was doing these crazy quirked out flips, landing perfectly on the tranny and bottom turning out of mm-hmm. them and continuing down the line. To me, that's surfing. And, you know, Noah and the other guys, they're talented. And they were, I just think that the judging panel, I think that's what we have to watch out for in the WSL is the judging. Stab wanted to get creative with the judging. And they brought in Skater and a snowboarder. And, and, and Rat Boy was on the panel. And I talked to Rat. And he was very eloquently pitched it and he was actually kind of with me it's just like we have to be careful with who we're letting judge this sport or otherwise it'll look like other sports it'll look like other sports or bad versions of other sports yeah i'm sure rat too you get caught up in the moment like if everybody else is psyched on the shove it and you're there then you kind of get hyped by it yeah i'm just like madison doing this in my videos 20 years ago but right five years ago no one ever did a fucking flip like like this eli kid was doing right and he was he had him unlocked eli was so gnarly dude yeah so smooth and buttery um what's your relationship like with wardo right now wardo yeah my relationship with him is almost always the same Except you're not building boards for him anymore. i'm building boards i'm not building boards for him i just let him grab whatever he wants okay yeah (laughs) that's the policy uh uh, till death okay good yeah glad to hear that yeah um it's been good to see that he's actually still shredding. Like he's, he's getting good waves really good in Indo and stuff. Yeah, and he's ripping going on home. trips. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a barrel or nos segment t- queued up. Perfect. If you've got to leave it, let's do it. Twelve thirty. A what? Barrel or nah? Bar- barrel means you're a fan. Nah, you don't like it. Whatever okay. the thing is. Um, and a couple of these are aimed right at you, Matt. I wouldn't have given them to Chaz if he was here by himself, but good. Uh, barrel or not nah, censorship Chaz we've seen some of this happening lately in comment sections we haven't seen it on beach grit but um, comment sections on websites where they just vanquish comments because things get unruly especially on surf websites on surf websites we're seeing it in mainstream media everywhere so what are your what's your guys policy on censorship is it a good thing is it a bad thing what is beach grits policy on censorship in the comment section beach grits is pretty simple it's just you gotta have one ip address one user basically like don't have a bunch of shadow accounts that you're that you're you know commenting in the same thread as a bunch of different people so to just make it, a, you know, it should be a conversation in there. And if it's one person just going nuts and that's not fun. So it's that. And then, you know, beyond just pure cruel language or, or really dumb language, anything goes. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause it, I do see comments get deleted at times. It, they'll get deleted for uh, m- multiple. Usually it's because somebody's running multiple avatars at once. And who is making the decision to delete or not delete? Negatron out in New Zealand. So you have one yeah, I never, moderated. I've never deleted one comment. Okay. Uh, I also want to ask you about it, Matt, too, because I tried to buy what's really going on when I was 15 years old mm-hmm. from Huntington Surf and Sport. Yeah. And it had gotten pulled off the shelves because yeah. some kid's mom came in and... It wasn't some kid. It was uh, uh, Micah Byrne. I didn't want to say his name. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, guy, oh, he's a friend. Yeah, he's great. And the he's mom's a, great. Whatever. Great surfer, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, she was just... She was there at a crux in time. She's like, whoa, this is where it is. 
1995 is just where it's going. But like, if you watch television now, look how open, look how radical it is. You know what I mean? Compared to television in the 90s or the 80s or the 70s, it's just the, yeah. it's the further desensitization of of the political, what's politically correct and what's acceptable. That's why I don't. That's, I mean, at some point, ABC eight o'clock time slot might have nipples. You know, I don't know Ooh. when that time is, but it could it could happen. Um, you're you're responsible for the decline. You're partially responsible for. Well, the that's decline. why we made the movie. I know the decline. Two movies actually. Yeah. Um, you want, should we take a break? No, keep rolling. Okay, cool. Um, so so, what are your thoughts though on censorship? I think there needs to be some. I think that whoever's in the media owes their they owe their their public some sort of pragmatic censorship. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking like China's internet policies, but I think that if if you're gonna have an open forum with comments and all that, which at this point in my life I don't really take the time to read through comments anymore on any of the sites. Um, I just think you'd kind of, you're, there's a responsibility there. And I think at some point, even when we were making our movies, I mean, there's a lot, there's stuff we held out, you know, we just, we decided what our level of acceptance was and we drew a line and we, and we did that. Um, he just kind of said what his is, you know, what Chaz just said, what their level of acceptance is and, and, uh. I think there needs to be some sort of conscious effort. If it's just straight up like, oh, his mom's a whore and I want to, it has nothing to do with what's going on. Yeah. Then it shouldn't even, it's like, why is it there? What if, what if you were running ads somewhere <clears throat> and there was a negative comment either about you or lost uh, underneath the story? Would you be inclined to pull your ads? Would you ask the whoever the whoever was publishing it to take the comment down or would you care at all it depends depends on what it says if it says his daughter's is uh, nothing about family or anything it was yeah, just I'm like just a, saying or what I, it, I guess it just depends if somebody said i got a i, I know that someone was going crazy about mr and i on surfer mags one of surfer mags forums recently uh mr recently joined the same business that we're a part of in Australia. They do our boards, Pizels, MRs, LibTech. And someone, a, a former uh, manufacturer, former person that used to help build his boards there was just saying incredibly run on relentless negative things. And someone in my organization asked Surfer, no, I'm sorry, MR asked Surfer to take it down. MR asked her to take it down, and I was like, I don't care what this guy says. Let him go ahead and say anything he wants. You know, he's just bitching and moaning and screaming and yelling. I don't really care. And Mark's like, no, we should have him take it down. It's 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 rude what he's saying about you guys in Lost Australia. I always think if you take something down, then you give it credence. Where I agree. If you leave it up, then I yeah. mean, the guy looks crazy. He looks crazy, right? Yeah, People can go yeah. Make up their and own he money. was making an argument about business and all that. I don't. I just so. But I've also seen things. Where I'm like, this is um, this should be taken down. This is, you know. I mean, I like if I post something and someone's like, "Oh, Matt's a fat Jew, son of a bitch, cocksucker, you know, baby raper." I'm gonna say, "Hey, take that down." If you don't take that down, I'm, it's hard for me to like come and do an interview with you or or help get, work with you on content and stuff like that. So I think that's where it is to me. Cruel and dumb. The other, if the other detail was cruel and dumb. There that's, you go. That's beach grits. 
the other detail was when uh, HSS stopped carrying that film, yeah. it made us want it more. Sure. It now became a story in lore where we're yeah. like, oh, I got to track that thing down. Yeah. Probably did well for sales, you know. For the other shops. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is good for you either way. I mean. It was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So censorship, we're going. Nah, I you're hate. Going nah? I hate censorship. Really? I'm a, yeah. I mean, I loathe it. Like, besides cruel and dumb, like, I totally, you know, ad hominem attacks on somebody's family or something like that. Yeah like is one thing, but anything else to me, like let the public decide, right? If somebody wants to go spin out something, but you're crazy. not putting porn on beach grit. Of course not, but There's censorship, you know, well, that's self-censored. Yeah. That's obviously. I mean, we, we make choices. Decision. We yeah. make choices of what gets, exactly. but I, I was talking, I mean, because like, for example, yeah, stab and surf line, I think across surf media, if there's one negative comment or one thing that kind of rankles somebody who's a either... I think if you look at Surfline, you look at over-censorship and the fact that they can't get a discussion going on their comments boards is because there's no edge to it and no one really cares. Sure, but... but and they like they throw out comment fodder. They literally do stories and say, comment, comment, and no one comments. Sure. So you have to... If you're going to facilitate you know, this kind of free speech, you have to encourage people to not be afraid to speak their mind and be humorous and witty. And, and now there's surf journalists coming up who started out as commentators on commenters on these boards. So it's, it's, it's brought in a new culture of surf journalism. And, it, and I, and I think it's cool. Um, but there's just, I think in life, there still needs to be some sort of self regulating. hundred percent. I mean, I completely agree, but I just okay. think, I think the limits, uh, of what that is, it's just gone out of control on the across other surf media, which I don't understand. I don't know what the point is in ruthlessly, uh, you know, I don't know, editing out comments and yeah. things. I mean, but about everything, it's weird. Fifteen years. I think when my wife was pregnant with my first couple of kids, and you're first finally spending a lot of time at night at home alone for the first time in your life, so 16, 18 years ago. Um, I got into that surfer mag board building forum for a few years. And it was interesting and fun. And then after that, when Stab came out, I think whatever between Sam and Derek, wh whoever came up with the ideas to do that and encourage it, I think it was a brilliant and a turning point in surf media. I, I mean, I totally agree. And I yeah. think, but I think it still is, right? I think some of the, some of the best stuff out there is still in comment sections. I mean, definitely yeah. for it's, Beachcraft. I won't argue. I, don't, I honestly just don't take the time to pay attention to it right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a different and flows. Yeah. It's a life. different format. It's a good way to get kind of the heartbeat of the culture though, or just what the general public is saying is right there. You know, I don't think it's the general public. I think it's like a, few well, it's, it is a pretty small group actually. Yeah, it's a small group. All right. Barrel or nah, energy drinks. Hmm. <laughs> oh, <that's, laughs> this is aimed at you too, man. This, this is the Genesis of our relationship right here. Is, is it? it? Mm -hmm. Of mine, mine, your relationship. Remember I wrote about in stab about Oh, remember when Lost was cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Because the energy drink yeah. prompted that remember when Lost was cool? Yep. Because it was funny. it was about cuz Lost was doing energy drinks at the time yeah. and so I did the remember when Lost was cool and I just went on a nonsensical tear like and then I think you Matt called Derek and Derek said, "Oh, you got to go meet Matt." So I bought pickup sticks and brought it into the the Chinese food and brought it in to Chinese food over an energy drink. And yep. Nice. I brought Chinese food and then, yeah, oh, it's been love ever since. Until, love ever since. Yeah, until I was like, I'm going to kick that guy's ass. <laughs> That's what everybody <laughs> says the first <laughs> time. Nobody. I have so many of my good friends, I, I start out as fights. Yeah. You, you're, 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 you're all those things where you meet, 
You start out like headbutting or fighting with a guy in the lineup, and then it's being one of your best buddies for years. Always. I mean, I think every one of mine. All right, so barrel or not? Oh, man. I'll tell you, if we were so close to, like, I was so close to being retired from that. I mean, like, that thing. Killed it. It was killing it. They had, I mean, national distribution. I saw them everywhere. Yeah. So what's the story? Well, you want I mean, barrel or not, at this point, I would say not. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we almost we almost pulled that that thing off. Yeah. Who was well, who was was it Hanson's? Who it was, was distributing? Hanson's. Yeah, okay. it was Monster. Before, yep. Yeah, they came to us and asked if we wanted to do something, and we said sure, why not? Did it taste good? It tasted like energy drink. There was, a, I mean, they they mixed well. You know, we we were involved. It wasn't just like let them run with it. We designed the cans. We designed, we sat in numerous taste tests and we rolled out multiple flavors and it was an amazing learning curve. It was like, what happened to it then? Why did it, if it was, if it was so close, I think the simple, the super simple description of what happened is we developed it with Hanson's who had monster and monster was still, I don't know, call it a hundred million dollar business when we started with them. And then it was so that, that thing went to like half a billion and up towards a billion. And they started loss and loss got up to a point of like, I think it was like $30 million for a, in one year. In so cans? In cans. Wow. Yeah. And we were getting paid a small royalty. It was a small royalty, not like a, but the numbers did add up. And we were getting checks. It was like Chevy Chase and Caddyshack where the chicks like, here's a check for uncash for 100 grand. He's like, oh, I'll take it. So the money came in and, and, and you know, I, 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 said before i was like a kid with it like a rapper kid with his first hit i just spent it all and um and then they did some kind of uh distribution deal where they gave hansen's gave a massive amount of their distribution to uh, Handheiser bush budweiser you know whoever the company that and i remember the ceo president cfo the chairman of hansen's this guy rodney's brilliant and his sidekick, another brilliant guy named Mark Hall, who I learned an infinite amount of stuff for from, they said, hey, retire. You're going to be retired in a year. Surfboards will be a hobby. Clothing's going to be a headache you shouldn't have to deal with. We just forced Anheuser-Busch to take Lost with Monster on their distribution channels. It's going to be $100 million. It's going to just never stop growing, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, great. Awesome. Let's have a party. And evidently, they placed Mon- um, Hanson's placed um, like an opening order for like millions of dollars, and they took the of, of lost drink and they put it in their warehouse and never put it on a truck, oh. and basically just sh- sat it down. And that was it. Closed it. Yeah. And by the time Hanson's was able to wrangle it back, okay, okay, if you're not going to do it, give it back to us. And then they tried a couple other ways of relaunching it. And it never this once you're off those shelves, once you're in the shelves and all those seven elevens yeah. and AMPM, once you're out, there was, you can't get back in. You can't get back in. Wow. And it was over. It disappeared like in a year. It's like leaving wow. leaving California. You move yeah. away, you can't come back. And then right behind that was the clothing meltdown, the surf industry clothing meltdown. And all profitability of our apparel at that time, basically almost like ten years ago now, erased itself. And that's when I kind of just dug in deep and said, this is what I do myself. I make surfboards. And my partner, Mike, and I just said, let's just do this better than we've ever done it before. And let's put our all of everything we learned through 
licensing clothing and working in the clothing business and traveling the world. And then the whole learning curve we had with the Hansons and the Monster Energy and the Lawson. We took all that information and all that savvy we learned in marketing and manufacturing and distribution and sales and how to look for sharks and good people and bad people and all the tricks and mistakes. We took all that and we started back at ground zero and we put everything into lost surfboards. And that's what we do. I think if you have the energy that there might be another opportunity to like seize the day coming, Mm -hmm. whether it's with the Olympics or the wave pools going to the middle America and all that sort of stuff. I think that energy drink type of deal and business might be in our near future again. Yeah. You know, so I, I understand licensing. We license our, our brand of clothing. We license our brand of energy drink and and now I'm doing fun, small, cool little okay. licensing deals with people that I trust and like and have fun with that aren't necessarily high profit, but it's like a creative outlet. Like we just launched a skateboard thing with Carver. I saw that. Super fun. Yep. I got to design all the decks on my shaping program. I designed the outlines. I did a continuous rocker deck and did all the, and the graphics and worked with two or three of my favorite guys to do all the graphics. And then we did another one with Catch Surf. So I did to design the plugs and we made the roundhouse fish with Catch Surf. And that's super fun. And something fairly low key but monumental in a way happened in San Clemente last summer where they allow softboards at T Street now under Blackball with fins. No, it doesn't matter. So now you can ride softboards. T Street's like our, you know, it's, it's the center beach in San Clemente. It's got the stairs, it's got everything for a perfect San Clemente family beach. But all summer long, you can't surf there. So San Clemente families aren't really there. And now that's that culture is going to start burgeoning more there because now you can go down there on these bitchin' well-designed soft tops that are popping up. And a lot of people are doing them. Yeah. Um, Catch Surf kind of has the best image. So now it's going to make, it's like really cool down at T Street. Yeah. Um, so we're doing fun little things like that. And Good. don't forget LibTech. It's your best oh collab. Oh my gosh, LibTech's the best collab by far, which is, you know, snowboarding's my biggest biggest passion you know of my life outside of surfing and surfboards and you know we're five years into the being able to design snowboards for LibTech and then we do the surfboards with LibTech um, which has been a really successful financial and design wise uh, venture for me. Liberace Technologies good one. <laughs> Those guys are incredible. Um, final barrel or not nah, homeschooling. Mm-hmm. Is that one directed at me too? All of yeah. them. I told you, dude. This is How'd a mad about that? I don't know anything about anything. Okay. I just, so ahead. the homeschooling, I'm okay. So San Clemente is probably the apex town of homeschooled surfer kids in the in the world, um, and I've been very involved with this with them since it kind of started with like I'd say maybe around Kaloa age, twenty five years old kids. So. Um, and we've, it's grown, it's grown. And I think right now there's a lot of kids doing homeschool that probably shouldn't because they really should already know that they're not going to be pro surfers, or at least financially successful pro surfers. I mean, there's pro surfer, I'm a pro surfer, but you barely make enough to even do the QS, you know. Um, <clears throat> same with snowboarding. So I actually, for the first time this year, two of my daughters did are doing a dual enrollment. So they're only going to school like three days a week, two or three classes a day, and then they're doing the rest online and at home. And for other reasons, they're not trying to be pro surfers or athletes. Um, I'll keep that. 
private while they're sure. doing it, but it's mainly to follow their other pa- their passions. Um, and I'm pretty deeply embedded in this scene up in Mammoth with all these little snowboarder kids. Like my son, my daughters grew up doing the ski team in Mammoth, and my son's on his third year of snowboard team at Mammoth. And I'm around these other parents who are way more into it to us. For us, it's fun and to be a part of it. But I'm around these parents who their kids are homeschooled to be at, at seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, with dreams of being pro surfers, pro snowboarders. It's uh, it's almost like Mammoth and San Clemente are like the apex of this culture. And I just think that it works if you're you really need to know whether your kid is on, is that kid. Like, otherwise you're taking away from them a socialization aspect that will really pay off good for them in getting through life in the long run, in the business world, um, or even sending them off to, co- you know, do homeschool and then go away to college. I think you're going to be shattered and lost and smashed. So I think parents need to be, realistic about their kids chances and their skills and i mean you can put a hundred kids in the water for a thousand hours and surf the same waves for the same amount of time and every time a certain two or three kids are going to be better just because how their body is put together and how their their mind works and their body works um some kids are just physically special yeah so, so homeschool i think it's it's a little out of control. My two daughters are probably going to go back to full-time school next year. And I think that parents need to be more realistic about their kids' abilities and goals. I also wonder if... But, can yeah. I say one more thing? I'm sorry, Please. it's so long-winded. No. If you are one of those kids, you will not keep up in this era if you're not homeschooled. That's what I was going to ask. You cannot. My son goes and does snowboard team on the weekends in Mammoth. So, and maybe it'll turn into a three-day weekend. It usually does. So maybe he's riding three times four. He's riding 12, 10, 12 days a month. And the kids he's riding with and competing with, 30 days a they're month. riding six times. They're riding 25 days okay. a month. Got it. Okay. And you see, he he, unless he's an absolute double-skilled freakazoid, you're not going to keep up. You can't do something 12 days a month and keep up with kids who are doing it 25 days a month. Yeah. You're not, and then the same goes for surfing. So if your kids if, if your kid really has the talent and the ability to go to say okay my kid's going to make six figures at 18 years old and he's going to make half a million dollars a year at 25 or more they're not going to do that unless you homeschool them. How how can you gauge it if you're like at a 7-year-old, 8-year-old say? I mean is it is it they're beating kids their own age or what do you think for a parent is the is the mark I think of most parents they're not, they can't gauge it themselves and they're experts unless you're like Josh Kerr or Dino and Dino or or someone who really or my friend Billy Anderson who I snowboard with all the time and his daughters uh unless you really know the game you're not going to be a good enough judge you're going to be clouded by parental blur so you need to ask experts around you and you need you know you know by the offers that are coming in from the brands you know like hey it's quicksilver's putting my kid on the global tour and throwing money at him maybe yeah. it's in the books for him you should know you should know by the the money the attention and you have to ask the experts around you there was a lot of years though where those brands and those experts were just throwing money at a lot but of now it's tighter people. now it's, it's tighter. so much tighter so now they're being more scrutinous and yeah. it's only the best all right, well, where do people find you, Matt? On Instagram? What's your website? I'm on Instagram, yeah. 
Your Instagram's so complicated, dude. Why? Well, it was then like mayhem underscore zero three biolis or something weird. I know, but I have a real Instagram too. I have lost surfboards. Super simple. Perfect. Lost surfboards Instagram. It's everything lost surfboards. My Instagram's kind of a it's kind of a hodgepodge. My personal is like mayhem mayhem surfboards, Matt Biolis. And that's what it is. It's it's my point of view of our business, the mayhem, you know, just it's my point of view of surfboards. I pick and choose what I want to put on there that has to do with my surfboards and my business. And then there's my family and my fun and my travel. Yeah. And if you're looking for 100% pure, just lost surfboards, mayhem, surf, surf, pro, blah, 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 then you want to follow lost surfboards. Yeah. Mine's more of a window into my life and my world. I have a feeling everybody listening already follows you anyways. Yeah. So. Well, the, the lost surfboards <laughs> has double the followers of my personal Does it? one. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And then beachgrit.com. Go there. All right, guys. Until next time, get back. Do cutbacks. Someone's got to